I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and you're listening to Let's Ride, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast, which is a part of Behind the Steel Curtain. I thank you for joining me. This is going to be a great show. I can already tell the Pittsburgh Steelers are preparing to host the Cincinnati Bengals in week three. There is so much to talk about. A lot of people out there might be thinking, Jeff, it's just the Bengals. I mean, it's the Bengals. Bungles or as I called them growing up, the bungholes, whatever whatever you called them uh, or call them. you know, it, they're, they're the butt of the joke in the AFC North. I get it, especially since the Browns are at least competitive. A lot of fans are sitting there thinking, wow, we're really going to be concerned about the Bengals. I think that the Steelers do need to be a little bit concerned with the Bengals, not just because of the Bengals' improvement, whether it's with Joe Burrow, a quarterback. They have some very talented skill position players but also the fact that the Steelers are not playing their best football right now. And there's going to be some things that they have to do. They have to accomplish on both sides of the football, offense and defense, if they want to win this football game. When you think back to last week and what those keys were, we're going to talk about that in a second. I'm not so sure the Steelers deserve to win that game when you look at did they do what I suggested, and I know my opinion is just my opinion, but did they get those? Did they hit those keys? Did they check those boxes? We're going to talk about that. Something else I want to talk about is BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I want to make sure you're using that as your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We have great scouting reports, film room breakdowns, fantasy football advice, the latest breaking news, everything. So make sure you check it out. Also, the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast family, 
the family of podcasts, whatever you want to call it, you have to find us not just on YouTube or on Facebook, but also find us wherever you get your podcasts. Search Steelers, search uh, Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe or follow, whatever it requires you to do on that specific platform. So you don't miss anything, and that's not just my Let's Ride every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but that's also when you're talking about the evening shows, like the Steelers Preview, the Steelers Hangover, the Scobro Show, Know Your Enemy, I Could Go On, the morning lineup of myself, Michael Beck, Dave Schofield, the noon lineup with Jeremy Betts, uh, Jeffrey Benedict, the Ohioans, Matty Peverell, those crazy guys on What Yen's Talking About, they're... Kyle and I forget the other guy's name. Yeah, it's it's a funny show. You should check it out. What Ian's talking about, but nonetheless, okay. Let's get down to business because we have Blue Check back, Mr. Michael Beck, our deputy editor, joining me as always in the second segment. We're going to talk about our picks for this week. I have a heart to heart for you to finish out this show, so make sure you stay tuned. That you don't want to miss any of this episode. So here we go. Let's get to it. I talked about the keys to victory. Something I want to do is I want to always look back at the last game and see, did the Steelers check all those boxes? So the Steelers lose to the Raiders. We know this. We watched the game. We've talked about it all week. Here is what I said that they needed to do to win. I said they needed to protect Ben. Wrong. Didn't do it. Yeah, they only surrendered two sacks, but they gave up 10 quarterback hits. Pass to open the run. Nope, never weren't able to do it. They did hit some big plays, but they weren't able to utilize the entire field, and they were definitely restricted based on the pressure that Ben Roethlisberger was feeling. And then win in key situations, wrong, no. Again, 5 for 12 on third downs doesn't cut it. Not in my book, and definitely not in the National Football League. What about on the defensive side? Limit Darren Waller. Yeah, ding, ding, ding. I think you could check that, that they did that. They did limit Darren Waller. Get after Derek Carr with four. They were doing that before T.J. Watt got injured, and then when he left, they definitely were not able to do it. They did have to blitz on occasion. It didn't work out, uh, and I believe they might have blitzed. Yeah, they did. They blitzed Trey Norwood on the 61-yard pass to Ruggs that basically iced the game. That was a big, did not do it. And then lastly, make them pay with turnovers. Nope, did not get that done. So when you look at this, and some people might say, what does Jeff know? He just does these keys to the game. If they would have gotten those things done, they probably would have won the game, but they weren't able to do it. So what do they need to do so that they don't fall to one and two behind the Bengals in the division because every single team in the AFC North is one and one, What do the Steelers need to do so that they can actually go out there and claim victory, their first victory at home in this 2021 season? Well, let's talk about it. I have three things on offense, three things on defense, and one that carries over to both. I'm going to talk about the one that carries over to both right off the bat, and that is injuries. They need to have some key players on both sides of the football playing and playing at a level where they can actually succeed. For instance, we've all remembered the games that Ben Roethlisberger's returned. He might have tried to push it back a little bit early. And you can just tell when you watch it, man, he doesn't look right. There's something off. The Steelers need players back, but they need them back and healthy. So when I'm talking about on offense, Ben Roethlisberger, who returned to practice on Thursday, was limited with a pectoral injury. If he can come back and play and play well, then that will be great. Uh, Deontay Johnson. He does not look like he's going to play. Hasn't practiced yet this week. Has missed practice Wednesday and Thursday with a knee injury. I would probably bet money he won't play. 
on Sunday. On defense, TJ Watt's been limited both days. Joe Hayden, he looks like he's going to be back. Same with Devin Bush. They need to get some of these injured players back on both sides of the ball because nothing else really can be discussed, whether it's a final score prediction, whether it's what the defense can do to Joe Burrow, whether it's what the offense is going to do. If we don't know, even as fans, what the Steelers have in terms of their roster. So that's going to be paramount for both. But that's just injuries, and that goes on both sides of the ball. But let's start off on offense like we always do. I really feel like the Steelers need to be creative on offense. And no, that does not mean complex. You listen to everyone from Merrill Hodge. You read articles by our own Kevin Smith. You listen to Jeffrey Benedict in his podcast, Dave Scofield. doesn't matter. Anyone that has a background or a knowledge about football has known that the Steelers on offense would benefit from simplifying their scheme. Being creative does not mean you have to be complicated. There is a very stark difference between the two. Being creative is Matt Canada really mixing up how he deploys his offensive sets. It's Matt Canada being creative with exactly how in the world is he going about making everything happen from an offensive perspective. Mixing up shotgun, under center, using a fullback. That's a novel idea. Or even how many receivers he uses, throwing two tight end sets out there. Be creative. Predictability on offense is the cardinal sin in the National Football League, and sometimes I do feel like the Steelers fall into that trap. We know they did in Randy Feetner with Randy Land, but at the same time, I feel like that's something Matt Canada can do better. Be creative. Next, balance. They need to have some semblance of balance between the run and the pass. This has been a target for the Steelers, but they have they have a tendency, even in, even in the game against the Raiders, which was not out of hand, was always within reach up until the very end, that rug 61-yard touchdown that I mentioned. They need to remain balanced, and they have to be, again, creative, but intelligent with how they create that balance. Don't just run for the sake of running. Find a few plays that the Steelers run well and use those to make sure that the defense has to remain honest. So balance, very key. And then lastly, big plays. Cash in on the big plays. The defense is going to dare you to throw it deep. They're going to dare you to utilize the middle of the field. Well then, in the words of Keith Butler, it, do it. Like Go out there and actually make the play. Deliver a good pass on target to Chase Claypool. Hit Juju Smith-Schuster down the seam and watch him run with the football. Get it. Get a stupid little check down to Najee Harris and watch him go for 10, 15 yards. Those are the plays that we were used to seeing when the Steelers' offense was really dynamic. I'd love to see those big plays getting back into. And again, it's not always deep shots. Big plays are chunk plays. That's what the Steelers need on offense, especially against the Bengals, where I think points could be at a premium this Sunday at Heinz Field. What about on the defensive side of the ball? Okay, we don't know about players like Alex Highsmith, who has not practiced yet. And so if Alex Highsmith doesn't play, let's say he's ruled out, maybe the Steelers will promote Taco Charlton, who they signed to the practice squad. I'm not sure. Unless they're comfortable with T.J. Watt and his groin, Melvin Ingram, and Jameer Jones. I'm not sure. But whoever's out there, They need to cause chaos. So I don't care if it's Henry Mondeau who was just promoted from the practice squad. If you're on the field, you need to cause chaos and get to Joe Burrow. And 
Again, look at last week and Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers' offensive line as the perfect example. On the stat line, you're like, oh, they only gave up two sacks. That's not too bad. He was clobbered 10 times. He was hit. So the Raiders might say, dang, we didn't get more sacks. But they're also saying, but boy, did we impact the game. That's what the Steelers' defense needs to do to Joe Burrow. I don't care if you only get one, two, or three sacks on him. Get to him. Disrupt him. Cause him to think about that pass rush. Where is it coming from? Pitter-patter, feet in the pocket, all that stuff. Get to Joe Burrow. Be chaos. That's what you have to do. The next, goodness gracious, create some turnovers. I'd love to see the Steelers get their first interception of the season. They have a fumble. They have several forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. Uh, I thought they would have one uh, when T.J. Watt stripped Derek Watt. I'm sorry, Derek Carr. Boy, that was a big snafu. Derek Carr of the football on Sunday in Week 2, but they didn't recover. Get the football back for your offense. When your offense is struggling, I want to see the defense that last season led the NFL in takeaways. Where's that defense? That's what I want. I want that defense. I think I said offense. I meant defense. And the last thing, stop the run. Stop the run. Do not let Joe Mixon get going. Joe Mixon is unbelievably dynamic. A lot of people don't like him as a person. A lot of people don't think he's that great. A lot of people think he's injury prone. And I think there's justification for every single one of those things I just said. However, Joe Mixon went healthy. Joe Mixon with a decent line, with a decent core of group around him, can be a nightmare. Can be an absolute nightmare. The Steelers have to stop the run make the Bengals one-dimensional, force the game into Joe Burrow's hands, and make him convert on those third and long opportunities. That's when you can pin your ears back. That's when players like TJ Watt, who's hopefully healthy enough to play, can really get after the quarterback. That's what the Steelers need to do. So let's recap my keys to victory. What the Steelers need to do to beat the Bengals in week three. We talked about injuries, getting players back. That was on both sides of the football. But specifically on offense, be creative with your play calling. Develop balance between the run and the pass. And then cash in on some big plays, big chunk plays. On defense, create chaos in and around. Not not in Joe Burrow, but you know what I mean. Cause chaos, get after Joe Burrow. Turnovers. Create some turnovers, some takeaways. My goodness, where are the takeaways? And lastly, make the Bengals one-dimensional. Stop the run. All right, so that's what the Steelers need to do, in my opinion. I think if they do those six things on offense and defense and get those injured players back, not even all of them, but some, I think they're going to be victorious. But we're going to talk about that in all the NFL slate of games coming up with, I almost went back to Captain Bluecheck. Blue check back. Michael Beck, our deputy editor, editor, will be joining me. So stay tuned right after this break. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second part of Let's Ride. You know it's me, Jeff Hartman, and joined always. I, I, I really like this new name. The, the guy that's always joining me every Friday in the second segment is Blue Check Beck, Michael Beck, our deputy editor. Coach, what's going on? You got to give us the down low. Hopefully you got your first W. Am I right? <laughs> no, not yet. We are still <laughs> on, on the skid, but uh, looking to turn things around this week uh, back at home. Uh, because the border restrictions and whatnot, it's our second and final home game of the year. So it'll be senior week in week four. Oh but uh, hopefully uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll channel that energy into a, a big win up here on the mountain. You got to get off the schneid sooner or later. You can't have a Detroit Lions winless season. So hope we'll be pulling for you. All right. We'll be pulling thank for you, you for you. sure. Let's talk a little bit about last week with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you had predicted a big win, and I talked about that, and I didn't single you out. There were a lot of people that predicted the Steelers to kind of blow the doors off the Raiders. I'm not going to talk about your prediction, but my, my question for you is this. How much of that loss do you chalk up to nothing more than injuries, mainly on the defensive side of the ball? We're talking Hayden and Bush with the groins that kept them out inactive the break, broken ankle of Tyson Alualu, and then also TJ Watts groin. If let's just say Watt and Alualu stay healthy, do you think the Steelers win that game? You know, I honestly, we can uh, take that down even further. I feel like if Watt was still in the game, they still win. Uh, TJ was an absolute beast in the first half. He's all over the field. He got that strip sack. And the Steelers took a nosedive when he came off the field. Uh, that was a significant loss. Uh, he really is playing like a, a player worth $28 million a year. Um, that loss was huge, and that really turned the tables. You could see Derek Carr's first half numbers to the second completely different, completely changed the game for him. So losing TJ, I think, was the big loss there for the Steelers. Now, I, you know, everyone was talking before the game, you know, Devin Bush is out, Joe Hayden's out, and then obviously even when TJ Watt goes out, and they were talking about the, the losses and, and the significance. You mentioned it yourself. I personally believe that Joe Hayden's loss was huge for the Steelers. The Steelers secondary, they don't have the depth that they have at other positions. And when you're having to throw out Justin Lane because Pierre's starting and they're moving Cam Sutton over, and my goodness, you agree with me that Joe Hayden getting back into the lineup is going to be absolutely gigantic going against the Bengals this week with the 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 arsenal of weapons they have at wide receiver? Oh, absolutely. Um, we saw it last year when Joe Hayden missed time. Again, uh, the Steelers secondary looks completely different. Uh, honestly, I feel like Joe Hayden could probably leverage that game against the Raiders into getting that uh, third and final contract with the Steelers because of how different they play without him on the field. Yeah. Uh, and then with Jamar Chase, possibly T. Higgins. I know he's on the injury report. Uh, and Tyler Boyd, who I know uh, people from Pittsburgh and know how dang good he is. Uh, not having Joe Hayden really scares me in this game. They, they need all the defensive help they can get. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a, a quick question about, you know, last week and mainly the offensive line. Now, you wrote an article for the Pittsburgh or, or the Steelers number one fan driven site that's behind the steel and it was about what the offensive line can do to improve. If you were to just say, and you were a collegiate offensive lineman, you coach the offensive line, obviously it's your alma mater. If you're, when you're watching this team, I don't care what position it is. I don't care what player it is. 
What's the one area that you say, my gosh, if they can just do this better, is there just one area that you can think of that's kind of paramount over the others? I know there's more than one concern. What are your thoughts on the O-line? Um, to, to try to change it, the question maybe a little bit, um, I would say that the thing that they need to do is just simplify things. Like I feel like this offensive line might be doing a little bit too much thinking for their talent level. Um, they just need to play football. Uh, in the article itself, I, I mentioned a lot about doing some zone blocking type stuff. Uh, and I talked uh, with Jeffrey Benedict about it a lot last night on Know Your Enemy as well. Um, and that uh, basically it comes down to just protecting between your right hip and the, the guy next to you's left hip. That space is, is yours. There's really no thinking involved with it. Whoever shows up there is yours. Uh, and then you you work up from there. Uh, right now, the Steelers offense, there's a lot of man blocking stuff. Uh, and with the talent level of this group, which we know isn't on par with the top lines in the game, uh, th there's just a lot of thinking involved. And when there's the stunts and blitzes and uh, all these things that kind of change who your man could be, and they got to do this thinking, and they're not the most athletic, and we, we know how much they struggle, especially on the edges. Uh, just that extra element is something that uh, I think is holding this team back a little bit. Just simplify things. I, I know it's not ideal, especially in an NFL offense, but uh, just taking things back a step, I, I think the way they need to go about it and just let these guys play their game. Last question before we get into our NFL game picks, which we do every week here on a Friday in the second half of my Let's Ride podcast. I want to ask you about a player that, in my opinion, is not being or living up to the hype or living up to what we thought was advertised for this player. Most players, when you're talking about young developmental players, regardless of position, I feel like it's been pretty much as expected. Chase Claypool, big play, dynamic. Uh, Najee Harris struggling a little bit as a rookie, but still dynamic playmaker when he gets the ball in his hands. Um, and even defensively, when you think about people that have exceeded expectations, Trey Norwood, I mean, seventh round draft pick, no one really expected that. Nonetheless, there's one player in particular, and maybe it's due to injury. We'll, we'll see, but that is not living up to the hype. And I want to get your thoughts on this player, and it's Alex Highsmith. Uh, right. Alex Highsmith doesn't even have a quarterback hit, not a sack. We know he doesn't have a sack, but my gosh, he hasn't even been near the quarterback. You think about all the stuff that's going on. He did have the groin injury leading up to week one, was listed as questionable, then was taken off the injury report. I guess he was feeling well enough. They didn't have to have him listed. Plays in week two, no issue. And then now he mispracticed on Wednesday uh, because of the groin, and that's an issue again, something Mike Tomlin talked about in his press conference on Tuesday. Mike, when you watch the game, what's going on with High Smith? I just felt like he would be more of an impact player in year two. Yeah, no, it really is wild that he hasn't been putting up those numbers because you can watch him. He's exploding off the ball. He's, he's kind of getting close, but for whatever reason, he hasn't kind of finished these plays off and he hasn't played against really the, the, the best of uh, left tackles, but he still hasn't gotten the job done. Whereas Melvin Ingram uh, in, in a similar kind of snap role has been getting there, has been a, a game breaker in a sense. So it's strange to see Alex Highsmith struggle a bit. I think we're all expecting a, a sophomore bump from him. Uh, and really, all this playing time he had last year after Bud Dupree tore his ACL, uh, and now here in 2021, he hasn't done a whole heck of a lot. Uh, and that really is not a good thing, especially for a player in year two, someone who's uh, kind of filled out his frame, looks more explosive. All these good things that you, you wanted to see from him, he has, but he hasn't put it together on the field. Um, and I'm kind of concerned if it doesn't start getting going soon, and maybe he just isn't that guy. So these stats need to start coming or the Steelers are going to start looking elsewhere.
Well, especially when you think about, I mean, what did we all say? When TJ Watt's there, he's going to have that one-on-one matchup on the other side. They're going right. to shade to TJ Watt's side, and it's just not. I think it can come, and I think that groin injury could have hampered him a little bit, even though he might have not been on the injury report heading into week two. The fact that he is back on there with the same injury, I'm assuming it's the same groin. Um, but still, we'll see. Uh, I don't want to talk about groins anymore. I've heard enough of that in the last few weeks or last few days, I should say. Okay, let's get to our NFL game picks. Week three, you had a huge rebound uh, last week, yes. and <laughs> which is weird because unless you change some stuff, when we were going through the picks, we were pretty much picking the same games except for a handful. I looked at our leaderboard. Michael Beck went from almost the basement to the top, and uh, so I'm still in the middle of the pack. We'll see how we do in week three, but let's get things started. One o'clock on Sunday, the Washington football team travels to Buffalo. The Bills coming off of a dominant win down in Miami. The Bills are giving seven and a half at home to the Washington football team. Washington played on Thursday night last week, eked out a win over the Giants. Michael, how do you see this game playing out? Who do you got? Uh, Heineke's still the guy there. I like him a lot, but uh, honestly, I, I kind of like Buffalo minus seven and a half. I know it's a lot of points, but uh, I definitely think the Bills, uh, they're riding high. I, I think they take a number, another dub against the football team. I have the Bills giving seven and a half as well. The Washington football team defense has not been what they were last year so far. And I think that with each passing week, the win that the Steelers had against Buffalo in week one is going to look more and more impressive. I'll take the Bills giving seven and a half. Let's go to uh, AFC North opponent the cleveland browns are hosting the chicago bears the chicago bears might be without andy dalton in which case it might be mr field's first game as a starter we shall see but the browns are giving six and a half points they will, will be, they'll be without jarvis landry who went on injured reserve due to a sprained mcl six and a half point spread at home for the browns who you like here michael uh, this is a tough one. I think the Browns win this game, but honestly, I think the Bears cover in a bit of a welcome party for Justin Fields. Uh, I think the Bears keep it close, but the, the Browns move to two and one. I think the Browns do win the game and I do think they cover. I think they at least win by a touchdown, six and a half point spread. I'll take the Browns giving six and a half. The Baltimore Ravens go on the road after their huge Sunday night win over the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Ravens one and one Detroit Lions haven't won a game yet, but they've been competitive, more competitive than we thought. They were actually leading the Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football at halftime. The Ravens are giving seven and a half on the road. Is there any chance the Lions cover Michael? Tell you what, Dan Campbell is that guy. I love him as a coach. He has kept every team in games he's ever been with uh, as an interim coach and now as a head coach on his own right. Uh, I still think Baltimore uh, takes those seven and a half points. But uh, dang, these Detroit Lions, I really like what they're doing. So hopefully uh, they can turn it around uh, for their sake, uh, player-wise. I think that if you take the Lions getting seven and a half at halftime, you're going to be really excited. But in the second half, the Ravens are going to roll. I like the Ravens on the road giving away seven and a half points. I think they'll cover. The Arizona Cardinals go across country to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Arizona looks red hot. Jacksonville struggling mightily. The Cardinals are giving seven and a half on the road. Same spread as the Ravens going to Detroit. How do you think this one goes with Kyler Murray and the boys going to Jacksonville? The Jags stink. Uh, the Jags <laughs> really are the Jags. Uh, that's probably a good way to put it. But uh, honestly, I feel like we'll be talking about Urban Meyer running the USC in a couple weeks here anyway. So I, I think the Cardinals take those seven and a half points. And they, uh, they, they easily blow the, the Jaguars out of the water and Trevor Lawrence continues to lose. This is a game that I'm going to take the Cardinals giving seven and a half. But this is that you know there's going to be a game where the Jacksonville Jaguars kind of show up and they actually will make it competitive. They're not going to win, but they would keep that. They would keep it within a seven and a half point spread. I don't think it's this week, though. I'll take the Cardinals giving seven and a half. Still at one o'clock, the L.A. Chargers versus the Kansas City Chiefs AFC West action in Arrowhead. 
Kansas City coming off of that loss in Baltimore. I'm sure that one was a gut punch for the Kansas City Chiefs. The spread is this, the Kansas City Chiefs are giving six and a half to Justin Herbert and the boys. What do you think about this AFC West game? People aren't respecting the Chargers yet, but I think this weekend is when that changes. Uh, I'm not sure who exactly will win, but I think this is going to come down to like a three-point game, and it could be kind of a kind of a, a reshowing of that Chiefs uh, Rams game that we saw, I believe, what in 2018. That's a crazy high-scoring game. I, I think we could see that, uh, especially with how uh, the Chiefs' defense has kind of been underwhelming. Uh, give me the Chargers plus six and a half. That's just uh, three points too many, in my opinion. I don't think Patrick Mahomes loses two weeks in a row. And I also don't think they keep that. This is a close game. I think the chargers are an up and coming team, but not, they're not there yet. I like the chiefs giving six and a half at home. The new Orleans saints who look like gangbusters in week one, they look like absolute garbage in week two, the new England Patriots, they reverse their fortune. They win in week two over the jets, the saints travel to new England. The new England Patriots are giving two and a half points. This is a, this is a tough game to pick. Cause we just don't know about these teams. How do you see this one playing out? Man, this is a coin flip. This is brutal to predict which Jameis Winston shows up. What Mac Jones shows up. Uh, I'm going to take the Patriots minus two and a half because they added all that talent around them. Uh, but this is a tough one. Seriously, flip a coin on this game. I'm going to take the New England Patriots giving two and a half. I just like them at home. I think they have a better defense, so that's what I'll go with. The Atlanta Falcons going to the New York Giants. This might be the dud of the week. I don't know if anyone that's not a Falcons or Giants fan wants to watch this game, but the Giants are giving two and a half points to the Atlanta Falcons. Who finally gets a win in this week? Oh, this is a tough one, but honestly, I'll take the lesser of two evils. I think the Giants have something. They just haven't been able to put it together. Uh, two and a half points isn't a whole heck of a lot, so give me uh, the New York Giants minus two and a half. I think the Giants are the more complete team, if that is a thing with these two teams, and so I'll take the Giants giving two and a half as well. Okay, we're still at 1 o'clock on Sunday. The Tennessee Titans host the Indianapolis Colts. It doesn't look like Carson Wentz is going to be a quarterback, and the, the line reflects that. The Titans are giving four and a half points. You think the Titans hold serve at home after a big second half last week? I think so. I, I think the Titans are starting to get rolling and uh, those four and a half points is just cash money. Uh, give me the Titans. Yeah. If Carson Wentz isn't playing, take the Titans giving four and a half and run quickly. You make that bet. All right, let's go to four Oh five. The New York jets travel to the Denver Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater has the Broncos playing tough. Listen to this spread 10 and a half points. The Broncos are giving the jets 10 and a half. That is a huge spread. Who do you think? Well, we think the Broncos will win, but do the Jets cover? I'm going to go with no. I think the Broncos' defense is going to make Zach Wilson's nightmare just uh, drag on a little bit longer. Wilson has not played good, and the Broncos continue that. And uh, they're going to win by more than 10.5 points. Crazy. Shockingly, I agree with you. I think the Denver Broncos at home cover that 10.5-point spread. I don't think the Jets are any good. They might be improving, but they're still not good. The Miami Dolphins, who could be without Tua, they have to go over to the down to the desert, Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are giving four and a half at home. What do you think about this one? Without Tua, only four and a half? Yeah, give me the Raiders all day. Yeah, now Tua, I'm not sure about his practice participation, but I'll take the Raiders. They seem to be red hot. They're going to be getting healthy. Uh, maybe someone like Richie Incognito, who's been sidelined all season, he might be returning. That can only help that team. And we know the Raiders, because they beat the Steelers last week, are a pretty solid team. The L.A. Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 425. This is probably the game of the week. Uh, should be a good one. The L.A. Rams at home are getting one and a half points against the defending Super Bowl champions. This is going to be a good one, Michael. How do you see this play now? I love this Rams team. They are so much fun to watch with Matt Stafford under the helm. I feel like I'm going to pick them all year long. One and a half points to the Rams. I think they do it. They're at home. I like the Rams here. 
I like the Rams. I love home underdogs, and that's what they are right now. I'll, I'll take the Rams at home, one and a half points. This is going to be an electric game. It should be fun to watch. We're sticking at 425. The Seattle Seahawks go to the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are actually, I'm sorry, the Seahawks are giving one and a half on the road. What do you think about this? The Vikings have a shot? Oh, the Vikings better be hungry at 0-2. I, I could see this one be the, the upset of the week, but uh, Seattle, I, I think they have enough juice in them to, uh, it's only a point and a half. I, I think the Seahawks can pull that off. I agree. I like the Seahawks giving one and a half. On Sunday Night Football, the Green Bay Packers go to the San Francisco 49ers in a classic NFC matchup. Green Bay kind of got their, got back on the right path after their Monday night win over the Detroit Lions. Aaron Rodgers and company looking like they should. The Packers are actually getting three and a half points here. San Francisco giving three and a half. This is a tough game to pick. Who do you like? It is tough, but Aaron Rodgers looked like Aaron Rodgers again. Aaron Jones was running wild. Give me the Packers in this one, plus three and a half. I, I could still see the 49ers uh, eking one out. I think it's going to be a close game at the end, but uh, I think the Packers will have enough juice to, uh, with the three and a half points, uh, win that game. I agree with you. I like Green Bay uh, getting three and a half points in the road. In this Monday night game, Philadelphia and Dallas, the NFC East fans are going to be all over this. I'm not sure if the NFL fans will be all over this. This is probably a game I'd rather watch the Mannings than I would the actual uh, game feed. And so uh, Philadelphia is getting three and a half as they go to Jerry World. Who do you like in this NFC East showdown? Ugh, the Eagles, honestly, I think are a bit overrated right now. And the Cowboys a bit on the underrated side. Give me Dallas minus three and a half. I agree. Dallas minus three and a half. Now let's get to the game that everyone is interested in. The Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Both teams are one and one. The Cincinnati, or sorry, the Pittsburgh Steelers are giving three and a half points. That line has adjusted since Ben Roethlisberger was put on the injury report with his pectoral. How do you like this game shaking out, Michael? Uh, and then also, what is your score prediction for this one? Honestly, I feel like this one's going to be the dud of the week. Honestly, I, both offenses are kind of stuck in the mud right now. I think this is going to be low scoring. So if you're a better of the over and under, take that under, which right now is set at 43 and a half. Uh, I don't foresee both teams cracking the 20 point range, but I think the Steelers pull it off at home. Uh, Zach Taylor's only ever won one game on the road. Uh, he has not been a, a great coach in road games. Uh, so I think that's an interesting one uh, that we got to keep in mind. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger plays better when he's hurt. We see that time in uh, and time again. Uh, for whatever reason, Ben, I think, uh, rises to the occasion, has a, a bit of a better game. But I think the Steelers only win this one 18-13, so they do cover it. Uh, a wonky score has been my prediction uh, from the start, but uh, I, I think it's going to be a five-point game with the Steelers' victory. Gosh, that would be ugly, 18-13. to 13. I'm going to take the Steelers, obviously, but I also like them to cover the three-and-a-half-point spread. This is much more manageable than the six-and-a-half last week, even though I thought they would cover that as well. I thought they'd win by a touchdown. I have the Steelers actually breaking the 20-point mark. I have them winning 23-17. to 17. I think the second half, things are going to open up a little bit. I expect the Steelers to get a turnover off of Joe Burrow that might set them up for an easy score or put them in the red zone, something of that nature. They're going to need some help from that defense, but this is a game that we are making these predictions. Obviously this is our Friday morning podcast. A lot can change with this injury report with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, you know, TJ Watt, if he doesn't play or if he gets downgraded, same with Hayden, Devin Bush, um, Alex Highsmith, we could go on and on Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe he doesn't practice. This line could go crazy. Uh, so if you're wanting to get on that three and a half point action, you might want to get that quick because it's going to adjust. But Michael, before we let you go, what are some of your keys to victory for the Steelers uh, this Sunday? 
Oh, first and foremost, getting healthy. Um, we'll also have an, an article running. Of course, my key of the week is uh, getting after Joe Burrow. Um, beating him up like they did that that first and only time they uh, played against him before in Pittsburgh. Uh, really, uh, you could see how that hammered the, the Bengals offense a year ago. So doing that again will be key. Offensively, they got to start pushing some people, get Najee Harris going. And Ben Roethlisberger's just got to be smarter with the football and not throw just crossing routes and third and long. They got to be, they got to do a little bit more in those third down situations. And, and Ben's got to, he's got to be a, a better version of himself in this game. Very good. All right. Well, you can find him on Twitter at Michael Beck 56. Michael, thank you for the time. Good luck this weekend. We'll talk next week. All right. Take it easy. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. My pleasure as always. A big thank you to Michael Beck for taking the time, as he always does every Friday, to join the show and talk about football and, and the NFL picks and stuff. I love the segment. I'm, I hope you all do, too. I want to finish this up with a little heart-to-heart. So the Steelers struggled last week. We all know that. And there are times, as a fan, where you feel unbelievably helpless. You are just a fan. You're just a viewer. You're just watching the game. The one thing I want to try and... If I could change one thing about the Steelers fan base, it is constantly feeling the need to blame someone. Look, not there's not always someone to blame. I hope that makes sense. When you're talking about the NFL, the National Football League, there's going to be players that play well. There's going to be players that are better than other players. There's going to be coaches that do certain things extremely well. We all want someone to blame, and that's just in life. In life, we want someone to say, it's your fault. It's your fault that this happened. It's your fault that that happened. But we don't always need to have that scapegoat. Sometimes, just like when we say that was a team victory, it can be a team loss. And I would say that week two was a team loss. Yeah, you can point to the offensive line. You can point to injuries. It doesn't matter. There were plays given up on both sides of the ball. So we don't always have to go out and find that one player. I've always said this. Think back to 2018 when Chris Boswell was absolutely dreadful. Couldn't make a kick to save his life. And everyone wanted to bury Boz. Oh, he's the worst. No, he was just the one that made the play that you remember last, if that makes sense. Don't think about all the plays that were missed before that or the big plays that were given up before that. I always point to, uh, if you're a baseball fan, even of the game, 1986, the Boston Red Sox, they lose to the New York Mets in the World Series, and Game 6 was the Bill Buckner play. And everyone remembers the Bill Buckner play. But you know what no one else remembers? is That that was Game 6. The Red Sox went out and won uh, the Mets. The Red Sox lost another game in Game 7. And there were a bunch of errors before the Buckner play. Everyone always wants to point to the Bartman game. Again, with the Chicago Cubs. I think it was against the Marlins. But no one wants to talk about all the errors that the Cubs gave. I mean, it was atrocious. It was horrible. Pirate fans. I mean, Steeler fans, think about it in in your own regard. Everyone wants to talk about You Think about the 1994 AFC Championship game. Stan Humphreys and the Chargers come to Three River Stadium. And... Everyone wants to talk about the final play with Neil O'Donnell skipping a pass to Barry Foster. It was a horrible play. It was raining. It was dreadful. Let's also not forget all the mistakes that were made that game that shouldn't have even made that play matter. So don't always find a scapegoat. Look at it from a team perspective. They will get better. 
trust the process. 17-game season, we're only two games in. It's tough. Sometimes you have to be patient. I knew this team wasn't going to win every game, but at the same time, I think they're going to improve. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. All right, folks, that does it for me. I hope you enjoy the game on Sunday. Make sure you check out the post-game show. I'll be joined by Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield, as well as my Let's Ride on Monday. Monday's shows normally go around 9 a.m. Eastern time. Check it out. Winners and losers, you know the drill. Have a great weekend, everyone, as we always finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great weekend. Go Steelers.